Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Konnichiwa, Bearback へようこそ。ベンとベンハのかわいいクマちゃんカップルによる最高のコメディポッドキャスト。彼らの暮らしと文化、故郷のイギリスとアルゼンチンについてナビゲート。それじゃあミュージックスタート。Hi, Obab. Le what? <laughs> It's Japanese. We had the Japanese introduction at the start and I'm just continuing it. Okay.、Uh, hello there. I don't know Japanese. Well, hopefully that will all become clear in a few moments' time. Anyway, how are you? I am very well. And how are you? I'm absolutely golden. And how are you, dear listeners? Welcome to Bearback. The podcast where we explore the nature of our relationship as a bear couple and discuss the quirks of our respective cultures. I'm Ben and I'm British. And I'm Benja and I'm Argentinian. And what have we got coming up this week? We have a wonderful graphic novel artist, Isago Fukuda, talking to us about his life as a Japanese man living in London and about one of his most impressive. Projects, quiz. Oh, very exciting. I love an interview, you know me. I like to probe questions.、Um. <laughs> I mean, I just stay quiet because <laughs> did it really need clarification? You like to probe, period.、Um, so, what have we done this week? Well, I've been very busy. I've been shopping, darling. Well, can you class it shopping? Well, it was extreme shopping, if anything. I got a text message on Wednesday evening from a friend who said, Have you seen what's dropping at Lidl tomorrow? Now, for international listeners, actually, I think Lidl is everywhere now, isn't it? But it's a low cost supermarket. So it's the kind of supermarket where you go and it's much smaller than the big kind of supermarkets like, you know, Costco, Tesco, or Walmart, or what have you. But they have kind of like products that are. They look like products, aren't they? Yeah, it's all their own brand. So, one of, the re- one of the ways where they keep prices down is everything is their own brand, but it's all look alike of your regular brands. And in the UK, we have the primary sort of low cost supermarkets. We have Lidl and Aldi. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're German think、uh, so. supermarkets. Yeah, there were competition、um, between themselves in Germany, I think. Anyway, they've got very kind of like no frills iconography as well. They've got a brand, but that brand very much speaks low cost supermarket. Anyway, a friend of mine texted me on Wednesday night and said, Have you seen what Lidl are dropping tomorrow? They have this section in Lidl called the middle of Lidl, and every week it changes. It's all kind of like random things. It could be like a, I don't know, we talked about it with Aldi with Miss Ruby. It could be like a blow up tent or it could be a, a cheese grater or a bread maker or, or anything. You just don't know. But they announced it a couple of days before. Or the mixer that I own that you dissed. Oh, the mixer. Anyway, we haven't got time to go back there this week. So, this message that you received about what was dropping in Lidl, well, what was it? Lidl have brought out their own range of clothes. But it's with their branding. So they have socks with the little logo on. They have swim shorts with the little logos on. In fact, loads of little tiny little logos. 
and the pièce de résistance is they've brought out little trainers so they look like sort of what you might buy from sort of the more expensive luxury brands but instead of the Nike or the Adidas logo it says little in bright red yellow and blue now earlier this year if you remember I managed to get some Aldi pajamas that's got the Aldi logo on so I thought well I need to do the same for little but I knew that it was going to be popular so I basically like had this massive stress on Wednesday night where I set like a million alarms because I knew I had to be one of the first people down in the store Mm -hmm. And I managed to get up in time and I r- literally raced down to Lidl. It was like the game show, Supermarket Sweep, you know, like where people are like clambering for items. Were you pushing people out of your way to in order to get to Lidl's middle aisle? Well, to be fair, when I got there, it wasn't that busy. There was like an old lady who was kind of buying some bread and I kind of sort of shimmied past her. But I wouldn't say that I pushed her out of the way. Okay, so you pushed people out of your way. No, I didn't. I shimmied. I shimmied down the middle aisle. Okay, so you pushed people out of your way unnecessarily because it wasn't that busy. Unnecessarily, yeah, because it wasn't that busy. And I got to the trainers and I literally, I swiped them. They had the size that I wanted. So I swiped one for me. And then I'd also decided that basically this is what my brother's going to get for Christmas. Sorry, James, if you're listening, but this is what you're getting for Christmas. I mean, a little bit late, but spoiler alert, James... Yeah, but, you know, it's about the giving. It's not the receiving or whatever. Like surprise. <laughs> so I managed to get the shoes. And then I went back to the front of the store because I thought, well, I better put them in a trolley because I'm just kind of stood there, like, holding these trainers in the in, in the middle of little. And I thought, well, I'll go back and then I'll get my socks and, and all the other items that they had. Mm-hmm. Well, when I went back, I was kind of rooting through and I couldn't find my size for the swimming shorts and the socks okay and I was like I don't think they've got my size so I was panicking a little bit and literally I turned my head to one side to see if there was anything further down the aisle that you know I might have missed a different section with different sizes and some woman just like literally swept underneath my elbow and started rummaging in front of me and I was like love not only was I here before you but there's a pandemic. I mean, Miss Rona, she ain't gone away. If you can give a hit, you can take a hit. So she's there rummaging away. And then off she, literally she found what she wanted straight away. And I was like, I bet she's taken my XL swimming shorts that I wanted. I was, and and I, well, no, she, did, she didn't. I had a further rummage and there was literally two pairs underneath. So I managed to get the whole set and I was quite happy. But there was a moment there where... I really took in a deep breath because I was like, literally, I, she may have snatched away my dreams, but she didn't. And then I thought, well, I'm in little now. So I did a little top up shop, oh, got, no. us a, got us a few packets of bits and pieces that we needed. For crying out loud. And then I went to the till and the, I think the lady just thought I was insane because I was literally there with two full sets of little branded clothes she didn't think you were insane no she actually said that when they do these drops it's very popular and most of the products go within the first couple of hours so she was like you did well to get here early and she said most people buy two amounts of what they want and I said well yeah because obviously they're probably putting it on ebay and lo and behold, come the afternoon, I looked on eBay and those trainers that I bought for twelve ninety nine, very good quality trainers, very, very comfortable, but they're already on eBay at like £60. So you do realise that basically you were telling the till lady on how people buy two of everything to put it on eBay whilst you were buying two of everything. Oh yeah, but I made it very clear that half of my produce is going to my brother as part of his Christmas box. And I'm sure she believed you. Well, anyway... 
if you see me out and about, you'll be well, gel, because I am literally the little low-cost fashionista. I'm a low-cost influencer. So, do you agree? Uh, nah. Why not? Mm, <laughs> because you probably expose your little products to, what, 20 people so far? That's a low-level influencer in my books. A low-level, low-cost influencer. Okay. So, let me get this straight, by the way. So, basically... Um, I love how you ask me that you want to get something straight. Like, you do realise who you're talking to. Yeah, well, I know. And to be fair, I already know the answer for, to this uh, anyway. So, it's a more question. Okay. So, I'm always pushing to get all of the brands that we talk about in the podcast to give us money. And now, not only Little is not giving us money, but you're actually actively promoting it whilst you just walk about on the street. It's the life of a low-cost, low-level influencer. Yeah, and it's a very, very bad bargaining position. We can negotiate with little to give us money when they're already getting for free. It's like, what, what's, the, oh, what's the saying about the cow and the milk or something like that? The cow and the milk? I mean, cows make milk. Do you know that, love? Yeah, but isn't that a saying in English? There's a saying in Spanish that basically says, who will want the cow if you're giving the milk away for free? Is I mean, that... I, I don't get my milk for free. I, I, I buy it from the milkman. Yeah, but it refers to the things that you give for free and whether they will want the whole package. In this case, why would Lidl pay money to us, the cow, when they're already getting the milk for free? They're all getting the publicity and the advertisement for free. Look, don't hate the player. Well, hey Lidl. Hate the game. This is the life of a low-cost, low-level influencer. I don't make the rules. I just have to do as I'm told. And I love my little trainers. I absolutely love them. And that is the end of it. Little give us money. So I need to prepare you for what I haven't told you this week. Oh my God, you've bought little trainers too? No. Oh, I thought we were going to be matching low-cost, low-level influencers then. We're gay. We don't do matchy-matchy. Well, some gays do. We don't. We have style. (laughs) Crap style, but still style. It's a concept. So, you know how next year I have a big birthday coming? Yeah, you're about to draw your state pension. I mean, I wish I could, to be honest. If I could retire, I would. So, we might be planning celebrations. So, it might get a little bit crowded. Why? So what I haven't told you is that there's a number of people back home in Argentina who are looking at flights. What? So one of your favourite people, Sil. Right. Just sent me this week sort of screenshots of flights. Has she booked them? Well, not yet. I mean, you have to wait for a good price. But it might get crowded for my birthday here. So if you were expecting birthday sex, we'd probably have to be really quiet. When you say crowded, how many people are coming to stay with us? Oh, just a few. How many? Uh, Maybe... At this point, maybe one, maybe five. Where is everyone going to go? They're coming from Argentina. What am am I going to do? Just not lodge them? This is not the Savoy. I mean, it's my Savoy. (laughs) Of course they're welcome. Of course everybody's welcome. Don't be silly. I mean, you're better because otherwise you're going to get after this goes out, this episode goes out, you're going to get some very angry messages. No, the more the merrier. And you know how much I love Syl. It'll be so much fun to have her here. And of course, yeah, I presume your mum will want to come and 
your brother, your brother in Argentina, the more the merrier. We will find, you know, it's that old thing, isn't it? What, what your grandma always says, we will find space. Exactly. If we have to put people in the garden and in a tent, we have to put people in the garden in a tent. To be fair, it's probably going to be nice weather anyway. What, mm. April? Mm. Let's see. April showers? Okay, well that wasn't as bad. When you, when, I knew that you were going to say something on the podcast that you hadn't told me before, and I was literally bracing myself for for, for devastating news. But actually, on, on reflection, that's brilliant news, and it's really exciting. So I find it a little bit disheartening that whenever I haven't told you something, you are expecting the worst. I mean, I'm your boyfriend, you're supposed to expect the best. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's that kind of thing. It's like, if you've saved something for the podcast that you haven't told me this week... You obviously want to get a reaction out of me. So it's either going to be like the greatest news, like you're going to propose live on the podcast, Mm. which I know is not going to happen. So, of course, my brain goes to the other end of the scale. There you are. Okay, so it was something in the middle. Something very much in the middle, but... Is it good middle? So it's middle on good or middle on bad? Medium well. Medium well. Okay. Right, Bab, we have a very special one today. We do indeed. So I'm a big fan of an artist that I've met through, I don't know, the Vine. Do we say the Vine here in the UK? Through the Grapevine. Well, no, I've heard it. I heard it on the Grapevine. Just met out and about. We met uh, out and about, but he's an amazing artist called Isago, Isago Fukuda. And he is just amazing and he's uh, been working in a lot of different projects. But the one that kind of hooked me is called Quiz. So uh, we brought him in and we're going to do a little bit of uh, an interview and see what information can we get, shall we? Absolutely. All right. So Isago, welcome. Welcome to our podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Do we say konnichiwa? <laughs> yes, konnichiwa and hajimemashite. <laughs> okay, so that kind of gives it away a little bit on our first question uh, in terms of we would like for our listeners, Isago, to get to know you a little bit. So uh, would you mind giving us a little bit, a little bit of an introduction to Isa? Okay, I can try uh... So my name is Isago. My artist name is Isa, and I'm originally from Japan. Uh, I moved to uh, London 2010, so nearly like 11, 12 years now. Wow, that's a long time. Uh, I've been yeah, basically working for the video games as an artist, and beside of it, I'm doing some like my original or my private own project. I have to ask. Why would yeah. you want to move from Japan to the UK? I mean, we've both been to Japan, Benko and I. It is an incredible country. We had the time of our lives. What made you want to travel from Japan and come and live in the UK? Oh, I don't know. I just wanted to expand my world. Or, Well, I'm originally from Hiroshima in Japan, yeah. which is like, well, it's a big city, but it's kind of Western Japan and... No country, but still country mentality-ish. So after high school, I moved to Tokyo, and I was well, making games in Tokyo for, I don't know, 15 years or something. And 
I got bored. And well, I'm gay. So and Tokyo is an amazing city and it's so much fun. And I love Tokyo. But being gay is well, maybe not the best city in the world. Nothing like serious dis discrimination or anything, but we're just ignored and kind of being underground all the time. And then I wasn't very happy about that. I, I did notice when we were in Tokyo and we, we did go to a couple of gay bars, but they were really difficult to find. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they were quite small and it seemed to be yeah. a very, very kind of limited community. I mean, they are fine. It's, it's kind of like a unique culture. And I like that we small bars. But yeah, I was wanted more, especially I like bear type of guys. So Japan, there are a few panda-ish bears or some kind of chunky hairy guys. But so what, what's what's a panda? Is that is that like um is that like a I think it's like an Oriental bear? Right. Okay. Well, panda obviously from China. But yeah. Like an old Eastern Asian bear. So somebody from Japan wouldn't identify, a, a larger gay man in Japan wouldn't say, I'm a bear, they would say, I'm a panda. Is that right? Some of them, but not, probably more like a, a, when they do the East Asian party in Thailand or there are some places like a Sitges or Ibiza or I don't know, the Gran Canaria, and they're all Asian gays having party. Okay. So that's like a panda party they call themselves. <laughs> But in Japan, is very, very unique culture. So it's really hard to explain everything. It's really different. Yeah, I can imagine. And to be fair, I think that we saw a little bit of it when when we visited, albeit we visited and it was a very, very small amount of time, really. So we didn't really get to experience it to the same extent that, uh, that you did. But yeah, you could you could tell that um, sort of the gay community was a little bit of a niche thing, and particularly bears would probably be a little bit even more niche. So I can imagine how difficult it, uh, it would have been in Tokyo or well, especially Tokyo, Osaka. Big city has a massive gay scene, but they're hiding and yeah, very different concept or idea from Western countries. I think. Yeah, we went to a bear bar in Osaka. And it was on the seventh floor of a tower block and you basically had to like knock on a door and it was basically yeah. like going into someone's living room apart from <laughs> instead yeah. of like where the TV would be, there was a bar there. Yeah, I mean, we had a great time and we were made to feel very welcome. We got a hand towel. That, in fact, I think we got a, a range oh, of yeah. hand towels, didn't we, that we've um, <laughs> we've now kept yeah. and we sort of used them around the house. But like you say, it's very different to, to going out in the UK, you know, the, these kind of small bars that are very much hidden yeah. away. It's, you know, you need to know the right people, that kind of thing. Well, I think you can find somewhere like like an English pub style, just like a standing bar or mm -hmm. an all open or you can find a big party things but this small bar culture is very traditional even the straight culture they have it and then big mama and small mama as a they are uh, taking care of the customers and entertain them and it's kind of a little bit like a family communication <laughs> or friends or very close and yeah it's a very different idea so, and, and now that you have lived uh, in London for almost 12 years, so you're a local now, uh, it's been yeah. long enough. So, thinking about when you first arrive, 
was it what you expected? Was it more? Was it less? What was it like arriving? When I moved here, it wasn't my first time in London. So before that, I'd been here for holiday or something. Mm -hmm. So I knew what it's like. But, well, living is a bit different, right? Well, I found a job here and then started working like from the first day. And then, yeah, video game studio was pretty much the same, Tokyo or London, or they're all geeks making games. So, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, of course, uh, yeah, it's a completely different world well, from Japan. I mean, Japan is an, like another planet. So, But yeah, not so hard to adjust for me. Yeah, from the beginning, I quite enjoy it and being stranger and... Well, Japanese gay in London is still quite minority. So, yeah, it's a bit yeah weird. But I, I was enjoying all the processes and even being weird is cool. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, before you moved to the UK, you must have had, and before you experienced the UK, even on holiday, you must have had some preconceptions of what you thought it was going to be like. I mean, what is the kind of stereotypical Japanese image of the British culture? They say maybe like a double, triple faces, the English people ask. To be fair. Actually, uh, we call the Kyoto people like that. They don't show their emotion or their uh, real feeling. Okay. And they're very expressed indirectly. So English people are like a Kyoto people. Can be difficult or annoying sometimes. <laughs> That's a very typical stereotype of English people in Japan. Mm-hmm. And what about the way, what about kind of, you know, how people dress, the kind of things that people eat? What what do people in Japan think of, you know, how we kind of live our lives over here? Well, I think Japanese people think about English people, well, kind of cool or stylish. Well, but maybe when I was a teenager or 20s, the Britpop was really big. Mm -hmm. So fashion-wise, so many people following like a Britpop style and... Well, compared to like American US pop, it's some kind of difference. Well, many of Japanese people cannot tell the difference of states and UK. But in the music side, they can tell. Even the my mom can tell the differences. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, they think uh, British style is a bit cool, stylish. Well, I'll take that. I mean, I, I will. I will gladly accept that. I think it's quite interesting, though, because if you spoke to a British teenager or or, or even somebody our age, they'd probably be like that. Japan is the cool one because you know everyone knows about Harajuku and and yeah. all the kind of like areas of of Tokyo, Akihabara, all that kind of thing. Even even those kind of places. So it's quite interesting that you know we almost <laughs> kind of look at each different cultures and think that one's where I want to be. You kind of both admire each other's style. Mm. So you moved to the UK. I mean, it sounds like you assimilated into British life, you know, exceptionally well, which is fantastic. But there must have been things as you've you've gone about your daily life and even over the years as well, where you've thought this is totally different from Japan or, you know, has there, has there anything happened where you've, you've kind of thought, I, I don't really get this. Why, why are people doing this or why do I have to do this? That kind of thing. I don't know. I think Japan is quite westernized. So for Japanese people to western culture it's easier to adjust but from like a british people go to japan is much harder it's a very different and no idea so i 
Yeah, I don't remember had like any big trouble. Well, there are, of course, a lot of tiny things, like a tiny why or tiny, what was that kind of things? Well, everyday things, but nothing crazy or serious. Yeah, at the end, it's like a human and I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. And, and the thing is, I think that for me, for example, coming from Argentina, I think that, again, it was those little things those little nuances at the end of the day we're all people (laughs) so uh, it wasn't that it wasn't that different from from that perspective for me i think that for me for example i was pleasantly surprised on how nice people were uh, given i moved outside of london so i don't know what happens in london but outside of london british people are really nice and It surprised me because from Argentina, our view of British people was, oh, they're really dry, they're really serious, so they're going to be mm-hmm. like really, they're not going to be willing to help you, they're going to be like really distant. Uh, and actually, when I first came, it was the opposite. So it was actually quite a, a, a very pleasant surprise from from my end. To be fair, on my side, I kind of came here thinking that fish and chips was the only British food that existed. <laughs> So I wasn't that keen on that bit, but well, I love it. oh, I love no, it! But yeah. I thought it was everything they ate every single day. <laughs> so you're a big fan of fish and chips, Isago? Uh, yeah, I like it. No, well, I'm not going to eat every day, but yeah. I How often? It. How often are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> Weekly? Yeah, well, once, twice a month. That's good. I mean, that, I mean you're yeah. you're pretty much British. Do you drink tea as well? No, well, if I want, but normally not. Oh, okay. So let's British. You're kind there. of halfway. <laughs> let's British there. Do you like queuing? No, well, I, I queue, but I don't like. Then you're British, yeah. I think secretly, every Brit- we're very good at queuing, but I think we, we we all do not like it. So, well, I'm Japanese, so I'm pretty good at it. But I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, I have to say the thing for me, when we went to Japan, the one thing that I was really surprised about was how open and friendly people were. Not that I wasn't expecting Japanese people to be friendly, but that kind of willingness to help you no matter what, even when there was a language barrier, which invariably there was. Um, And and, and that for me was a real eye opener that people, they would stop you in the street if you had a map or they, they, if you were looking at something on your phone and people would stop you. And, and, and then Mm. if they knew where you wanted to go, literally they would take us to the place where we were going, even if it was really far out of there, you know, where they Mm. were going. And, and to me, that was so wonderful. Like, I'll never forget that. So what do you miss most about Japan now you live here? Uh, Well, these days I can get any, pretty much anything through the internet or Amazon or whatever. So if I miss something, probably food, some specific food or onsen kind of holiday. Oh, we mm. love the onsen. I mean, and that then, is... Yeah, a... friends and families and stuff. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. That goes yeah. without saying. But yeah, the onsen culture. And for anyone who doesn't know what an onsen is, it's basically like a spa, isn't it? Um, like a yeah, hot spring. Springs and, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's very much part of, of Japanese culture that you'll go after work, yeah. you'll go and chill out in the onsen, and you yeah. just come away feeling really refreshed, don't you? It's brilliant. So, yeah, those things I cannot have this, uh, what, in Europe, maybe some countries, but, yeah, it's very rare. So I miss it, and, like, a very... The four seasons are very clear and different, so 
So I miss like uh, having the onsen and a nice food in the nice like a ryokan hotel and enjoying the four seasons. That's what I miss. But you've compensated with fish and chips, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've pretty, yeah. we've pretty much um, we've pretty much established that. I'm I'm obsessed that you love fish and chips. I mean, I, I think that uh, although I think that that's a difficult one to try to sell. As you have on onsen's Japanese food, uh, so you have all of these things on one hand, and you have fish and chips on the other. I'm sorry, Bob, but mm, it doesn't oh, really but match actually, up. Actually, uh, there are uh, some really good fish and chips shops in Tokyo. Is it? Are they? Yeah, it's, they do really good fish and chips. See, next time we go to uh, Tokyo, I want to go to a uh, Japanese fish and chips. I mean, there's kind of part of me that's like, that is ridiculous. Like, you literally fly to the other side of the world to have fish and chips. But I tell you a story. I went to, I went traveling around South America with my best friend when we graduated from university. We didn't go to Argentina, but you know, I not mean, that. Um... Should have, should have, could have, would have. <laughs> well, I might have met you earlier. Um,. <laughs> never know you never know anyway we went to bolivia and we were in la paz which i think is the highest capital city in the world it's very high altitude and we went to this bar and this bar was run by a guy from blackpool and on the menu was fish and chips now bearing in mind la paz is probably one of the furthest cities away from the sea in the world wow and there was a guy there from blackpool he'd just gone there on holiday loved it and decided to set up a bar and they serve fish and chips and we were like Yes. So the idea of traveling halfway, I mean, we we didn't travel halfway across the world to eat fish and chips. It was a, a lucky coincidence, but I'm down for it. Like, you know, I think, I think let's, you know, let's, uh, let's try it. <laughs> let's go for it. Fish and chips in Japan. I'm down for it. I would go, I would go back to Japan in a second. If you told me, oh, let's go back to Japan. Yes, I'm there. It was really difficult seeing Japan on on the television over the summer for the Olympics and the fact that you know yeah. athletes were performing and, and and competing in in empty stadiums. I mean, did you speak to yeah. friends and family about that? What how did they feel about it? I think local. I mean, Japanese people basically were not really happy. Many people are uh, were thinking they should postpone again or cancel it, and then they're very scared of the uh, pandemic thing, and they didn't get in enough vaccine thing so oh my god people coming and oh my god oh my god we shouldn't do this but yeah i think it's more like a business reason they forced to do it and mm-hmm. um, yeah it was really sad to see like no audience and no tourists visiting and what's the point and well it's of course that for us read it's it's great and but yeah it was sad yeah, and the thing is, I, I think one of the things about the Olympics is the about the amount of money it brings to uh, cities and countries in tourism, in people. So yeah. realistically, it, it was a little bit sad as well that there was so much money put into the Olympics and you're not getting the the whole benefits of it. I, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking with my money in my head right now, by the way, <laughs> if it doesn't show. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit more about you. You're obviously working in in video games. Does that mean that you like work on Sonic the Hedgehog and Mario Kart and things like that? I'm sorry, I'm really, really not very au fait about this kind of world. Well, in Tokyo, I I was I did work uh, for some like Nintendo games as well in a big company. Well, not Nintendo, but the big company belonged to it. So, what kind of games have you worked on? Are you allowed to say? Biggest title was uh, Game Boy Mario things. Okay. Saga something in English title, I think. Oh, Two wow. Oh, so you literally have worked on Mario. <laughs> yeah. I was drawing Mario. 
But wow. that was uh, quite a long time ago, and yeah, one of the most famous yeah, IP. But these days, the game is getting more like uh, mobiles and iPad, iPhone type of games. And a lot of indie small the studios everywhere. And I became freelance at some point. So I'm doing all different type of games and sometimes zombies, sometimes fairies. And yeah. It sounds like a night out with Ben here. Sometimes zombies, sometimes fairies, you know. It sounds like a night out in Soho. <laughs> with Ben here. <laughs> So how how do you get into that industry? Because do you just wake up one day and be like, I want to work in computer games, and then you apply for it? I, I, what are the steps that you have to go through to you know to design a Mario game? No, well, it was yeah a bit like a weird way because I t- my teenager I was trying to be a recording engineer. I was playing in the band and then crazy for music, making music and recording music. So okay, I want to be an engineer and then work in the studio. So I went to the school, but uh, after that, the time was changing, the computer things are coming up and then people start recording with computer and they don't use studio anymore. So they're closing down and I was like, "Uh oh, and I was looking for a job and I found one sound job in the game studio. So I jumped in, but at some point I start drawing in the studio and oh, you can draw, so draw, draw. and. So I became like a graphic side of work and they're doing the graphic all the time since then. So have you always been quite creative? I mean, it sounds like you have with, with music, but in terms of your, your art, like drawing, have you always sort of drawn and, and, and created stuff that way? So, yeah, I, I was drawing some like, a, I don't know, rubbish things, like a, the flyer for the band or some stupid logo characters. And I was also like a computer game geek, playing all the games at home. And so, yeah, nothing like a crazy jump or for me, it's not like a completely unknown world. It's kind of like a yeah, cre- creative and geeky and familiar world. So, yeah, that sounds a little bit weird, but in a way, kind of natural step. And yeah, I enjoyed it. So I keep doing that. Let's talk about a little bit about the things that you, you draw for yourself rather for rather than for a game of someone else. So, what was your fir- the first character or the first um, animation that you've created? Well, drawing is my work, so I never draw at home. And I was drinking in a gay bar and whatever, <laughs> partying, and I was busy. <laughs> but quite, yeah, recently, like a couple of years ago, I started doing some stuff and. Like I start draw some friend's portrait and then do the Instagram things or yeah, I started drawing some of my own stuff. And then, so yeah, like a couple of years ago, we did a, a, a portrait uh, exhibitions and made a small booklet. And so yes, just recently I started doing my own project more and more from your projects so i know that me particularly uh, i was hooked with quiz but have you done uh, other projects other than quiz as well uh about comics or graphic novels i have done uh, only one other another one called uh, chiringuito number seven mm-hmm. 
it's about the Japanese boys, uh, shy boys trying to go to the Gran Canaria and then first time trying to know this beach, kind of like a silly story. That was my kind of like first comic or graphic novel for me. And then, oh, maybe I can do this. This is fun. So that was my like first experience about comics. And then did that evolve into queers then? Yeah, almost at the same time. And well, I've been always thinking like uh, if I can make something very, something only I can do or that kind of special things. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what yet. It was very blurred. There is something here, but I don't know what. Mm-hmm. But I want to do something kind of. So tell us about queers then. Tell us the the, the kind of concept and, and 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 the characters that are involved in in the comic. Yeah, the queers. So yeah, I was in the blur, and then it become like slowly, slowly clear. Because I've been always interested to do the, like I said, something only I can do, mm-hmm. and I is like a, a Japanese gay guy living in London, and working drawing for the video games. It's kind of already unique-ish. So if I can use all this ability, also maybe comic and drawing about queer things. And then queer art, that'll be interesting, but usually queer art or gay art almost means like a poem. Mm. And I wasn't very interested about that. So I was thinking, like, oh, what can I do? What can I do? And well, I said I like bear type of guys, but I enjoy go to all different parties in London, and then London is a melting pot of the all kind of people. And I really appreciate, I really enjoy those things. Even the younger fashion queer or drag queens or all different type of culture, they were really fascinating for me and. Maybe I can do something like a whole queer cultural world into my comic instead of doing the bear poem. Don't get me wrong, I, I love bear poem, and then there are fantastic artists, a lot of them. <laughs> but that's not really what I want to do. So I decided to do the okay, queer cultural comics. And also, I was interested to do that. Uh, there's nothing thing to help the queer youth, young queers. Mm-hmm. Well, like, of course, there are many things, there are many entertainment or films or whatever, whatever about queer, but not for kids, really. Well, recently you see some in Netflix. Um, and also, if you're into graphic novels, I mean, I, I'm personally not, so I'm kind of, I'm a, I'm making assumptions here. I know, I know, Bear is very into his, um, into his graphic novels and comics, but I assume there isn't a lot of material out there that 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 is directed at young queer people. So, mm. you know, it's fine. You can say, well, you've got TV programs. You know, you can watch RuPaul. You can, you know, you can watch yeah. Queer as Folk and all that kind of thing. But if that's not your wheelhouse, if you're, what you're interested in is graphic novels, then mm. you need something like this to speak to you. So I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And well, nowadays kids have the internet and they're more information, so they're not so so desperately like uh, bad. But I mean, when I think about my young age before internet, 
and then no information in uh, Hiroshima and well, even Japan is getting much, much better now, but there are probably places still very behind somewhere in the world. So, well, maybe it was to try. Comic is us well, usually for kids and yeah, kids love superheroes. So probably queer kids need a their hero, like representing themselves and then to accept themselves. So that was a like a beginning or motivation. The queers then are the heroes, they're the superheroes, I suppose, of the comic. What are their powers? Yeah. Who are they and what are their powers? <laughs> okay, the enemy is a justice order. They are using the twisted justice and then spreading the ignorance to the world. Mm -hmm. So the queers use the rainbow empathy power and then beat the ignorance. So it's very simple. Like, a, well, it's obviously like a Power Ranger or, I don't know, Sailor Moon or that kind of very simple, but talking about a, a bit more complicated things. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's very weird comics. But I'm having a lot of fun. And so, yeah, still like a twinkle, twinkle, magical action, heartwarming story and weird characters. And probably, well, I hope kids going to enjoy these kind of things. In the comic as well, you have representation, you know, a little bit like what you were saying about how in London you like to go to different parties and experience different types of LGBTQ yeah. venues. So there's a, the, one of the characters is a drag queen, is that right? Yeah. And and there's a bear character as well. Basically, uh, what, character is a very stereotype LGBT representing character. And yeah, very stereotype. Well, I'm doing this on purpose. Yeah. And then side characters, maybe a bit like a, weird one, kinky one, or more minority type of characters. But well, there have to be heroes, or they should be like a crew, or I don't know. So, and also like introducing this uh, like a idea or concept to straight people who are not familiar with this kind of things. What's the reaction been from, from sort of straight people who've read it? What do they think? Do they get it as well? My Japanese friends or Japanese publisher, they kind of understand, but not fully understood. Some people like get confused or scared or I don't know. It's a weird reaction. And then some people just love it. So it's still like a yeah, very different reaction from everybody. But yeah, definitely Western countries' audience are much, much more like a... Oh, I love it. I love it. It's amazing. The thing is, I think that also you've done it in a very clever way because I, I think so. My first exposure to quiz was sort of the issue where Harvey meets Twinkie for the um, for the first time. Yeah. And basically then he's taken to the club and he sort of starts getting to know each one of the individual characters yeah. kind of individually. So there's, there, yeah. there's like a, a big introduction there. So... Yeah. For the sake of our audience and the people who haven't uh, really read it, so what's Harvey's story? So who's Harvey and how do we sort of get to know him? Well, Harvey is the, well, obviously the main character and probably the avatar of the audience or because the other characters are too over the top and it's 
super strong character. Mm -hmm. Harvey is like barely playing, and then he doesn't know anything about queer world or culture. Even, well, he just realized himself, so he needs to tackle on it, but he doesn't know. So he meets all the different people as a kind of mentor-ish. And well, he's learning the stuff and culture and well, maybe having some drama for himself and then trying to overcome and probably at the end, he's going to be one of the superhero, I hope. But yeah, it's like a... Was that a spoiler? It, Did you just give us a spoiler there? <laughs> the book cover is already the superhero suit, so it should be fine. Okay. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> well, my main target is like a, around 14 years old kids who just realize themselves and then don't know what to do. And also the straight people or parents, my kids is realize himself or herself as a queer and then, oh my God, parents, I don't know what to do. So yeah, they learn with Harvey step by step. And in the meantime, they fight in, they, they fight the Justice League. I, I... From all of the fights, I think that my favorite is the one when Harvey goes to the museum. Yeah. And I, oh, I can remember the name of uh, of the character, the drag queen. Absolutely fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And she has like that massive hair. Yeah. And she looks absolutely, well, she looks absolutely fabulous. She looks amazing. <laughs> like in a blink of an eye, he defeats mm. the, the, the Justice Leagues and their ignorance. She makes it look so effortless and so fabulous at the same time. That's probably one of my favorite encounters with the Justice with the Justice Leagues. I loved that one. That's true to any good drag queen. You know, we had Miss Ruby on a few weeks ago, and you know they make everything seem effortless. <laughs> That's the magic of a drag queen, isn't it? So, yeah. and again, forgive me for my ignorance here. So, Queers is is available now. People yeah, can go on and... Kindle. Yes. People can get that on Kindle. And, yeah. and is it available in English and Japanese? Yeah. And then w what happens next? Are you planning more of these? Are you, you know, are you going to continue the series or, or, or how, how does it work? Yeah, so far I just made a volume one. So it's keep going. Um, I already had a plot at least like a volume four-ish or maybe five. Mm. So, yeah, I just try to keep drawing as I can, but I don't know. It's like, uh, I need to work and to live and this time management things. If you're now published, do you kind of have that added pressure that, you know, a publisher is saying, you need to do more, you need to do more. And you're like, I've just finished a full day at work and now I have to do more. <laughs> is, is that how it works? Or is it you just, you deliver it to them when it's ready? Well, Kindle is not the publisher. It's a self-publishment. So there's no deadline or nothing. You can do it when you want or when you can. Well, now I have a publisher and then selling the hard copy of the volume one, but it's already done. So they just print it and sell it. And so far, no pressure or nothing. Like a, probably like a, if you made a volume two, maybe we can publish volume two. Kind of very easy going and not like a very strict contract or anything. So and the print version of volume yeah. one, uh, so is it available now as well or is it going to be available? Going to be, which is same timing as a, a queer RPG game. 
Oh, so we've got a game coming out as well. Yes. Tell so, me more. Is that on the tablet then? On the phone? It's like a board game. It's not like oh, a board game. Sorry. See, this, yeah. this this whole world is, is so alien to me. Like, Ben has, kind of lets me dip my toes in a little bit now and again. But this kind of RPG, board game, all that kind of stuff. I'm like still, I'm like Monopoly generation. I'm like Snakes and Ladders, <laughs> Cluedo. And yeah, then but you do like a you do like a board game, so that's the thing. I like the the graphic novels. You like board games. Yeah, but the last board game we played was the Miss World 1978 board game, where you basically have to be in a beauty pageant and win money to get to become Miss World. That is true. It was a little bit sexist, but uh, so. <laughs> Let's try and get Ben to buy the RPG. So uh, tell us a little bit more uh, uh, about the RPG. What, uh, how does that, uh, how does it work? Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, even I didn't know much about this board game RPG. So it's like a literally role-playing games. So you get uh, like a, some story scenario and then character sheet, and then you take one role of one character. And then game master, or I don't know, one guy is telling the story, and then you have to act like a character, kind of game. And the story in the story, something happened, and then each character have to use their ability and then achieve the target or something. I don't know, beat the enemy or. But meanwhile, you have to act like a character. And then you have to talk like a character. It's full of imagination and creativity. Okay, so let's talk about the characters. Of course, we talked about Harvey, and that's sort of the entrance that the world has into the world. Into the world, you yeah. uh, you have Twinkie. Yeah. So, yeah, what other characters are there? Well, this game is uh, designed by uh, the publisher, and well, actually, it's one of my friends, and then um, he's doing this RPG several times before the project. So they, they know how to do it, and then they love the comics, so mm-hmm. they decided to make it into their games, board games. And then they made a game with the char- five characters for the first. So Harvey, Twinkie, absolutely fabulous. Oh my god, I uh, would be her every time. Like, I would, like, literally fight people to be absolutely fabulous. Just for the um, name alone, let alone yeah. let alone the fashion. And bear one, Teddy Wolf. See, you can uh, be Teddy Wolf. No, I'm absolutely fabulous. You can be Teddy Wolf. I'm absolutely fabulous. <laughs> and then new character, uh, Willy, which is, like, uh, well, from Willy Ninja, the, who invented Vogue. Wow. So, yeah. What, you mean Madonna didn't invent Vogue? <laughs> I mean, we've watched posts. It's fine. We know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, and in the RPG game, then, so you have to act like one of these characters. Would you get a wig, Bab, to be absolutely fabulous? I would get a wig. I would get the thigh high boots. I would <laughs> sequence the life out of most of the outfits I have. I, I do whatever it takes. I mean, I'm absolutely flummoxed that I've never played an RPG before because this sounds like... I mean, presumably they go on for quite some time. Probably takes one, two hours, like a normal board game. Oh, okay. I probably want the extended version. I mean, if I'm going to go to, you know... If you're going to glam up, you're going to glam up for the whole day? I mean, I might even tuck. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. I might try. No, you're putting it in there. That's, a, that's <laughs> the thing about tucking. So if I'm going to tuck, I want it to last longer than an hour. <laughs> 
So let's play favorite for a second. So which of all of the quiz character is the one that you enjoy drawing the most? Drawing the most? Each of them are very different. So I enjoy all different characters, but to draw, all of them are like a probably like each part of me kind of. So yeah, I don't know. I don't have like a favorite, but probably Harvey is most like a, I think I'm imagining the 14 years old myself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the Harvey is more like a touching for me, but yeah, each character, even the enemy or villains are part of me. A bit of me is there and there and there. So I just enjoy drawing anything in the comic. So when can we play this game? When can I dress up as absolutely fabulous? Actually, the, this is this company is always make the game uh, run the project by Kickstarter. Okay, is that where you fund it through a community? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like a, a when you buy stuff, you just pay earlier, and then you like a pre-order. Like, yeah, pre-order thing. So it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. The Kickstarter campaign has just started a week ago, but it's going until middle of. October, so another one, two weeks, and so, then it's already uh, funded. Oh, wow, congratulations! That's amazing. Happening. So, yeah, you can get it. I don't know, probably November or December. They'll start. Well, I don't know, we don't have a, a clear schedule yet. But well, I was hoping that I could buy one for Benha for Christmas, but um, maybe it'll be a birthday present next I year, mean, Bab. Is it for me or is it for you? <laughs> uh, do you understand the phrase Indian giver? Mm. <laughs> it's basically where you buy something for yourself, but you give it to somebody else. I mean, being there, you've done that. <laughs> so, well, well, campaign is still going, so uh, we need to stretch the goal and then mm. fund more and more. So that we can do more stuff and then maybe one more characters or one more scenario. Or... Oh, wow. So although you've met your goal by raising yeah. extra more money, you can make the game even better. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. So if someone goes into Kickstarter, what do they have to look for? What do they have to search to be able to find your RPG game? Well, easiest one is just go to my social media and then there's a link there. So automatically brings you to the website. Well, this Brilliant. is your opportunity for you to tell us where you are on social media. So if people have listened to this and they're like, <laughs> I need queers in my life, like me, I need Absolutely Fabulous in my life. Although I quite like the sound of the Teddy guy as well. Tommy Teddy. Is that right? What? The, the bear character. Teddy Wolf. Teddy, Teddy Wolf. Wolf. I quite like the sound of Teddy Wolf as well. <laughs> And to be fair, I quite like the sound of all of them. It just sounds amazing. Where can we find you on social media to see all your amazing designs? Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere, uh, like uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. So any of them, but uh, Isa Happyfield, that's my social media name. So, And is that across Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? So can they find yeah. you as Isa Happyfield? Happyfield, yes. So, and then all of them has a link to those campaign or, or my art or other stuff, comic, Kindle, whatever. And then the update news, anything. So please, please check. Yeah, do. And, and again, from someone who's uh, read volume one and really, really enjoyed it, I would recommend it to everyone. Go find it. It's a happy field. Find it. 
I'm trying to remember, because I really want to read this now, but I'm trying to remember the last time I read a comic, and I think I was probably about seven years old, and I read The Beano, which is, you know, Dennis the Menace and all that kind of stuff. And I've got a feeling that comics have changed somewhat, you know, from the conversation that we've just had. I think they're probably just different things, Bab. You're talking about completely different things. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, we'll go into Isa's Instagram, get the link and get you reading volume one. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. Anyway, less about us. Thank you so much for taking time out. Because, I mean, it sounds like I don't know how you have time to fit it all in. You know, you've got a full time job. You're doing the comic. You're doing the RPG. I mean, do you get, please tell me you get time to relax and just chill out and stuff. Well, RPG, I'm not doing anything. Oh, well, that's fine then. That's fine. Oh, I'm not worried anymore. That's relaxing now. But seriously, uh, Isago, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on our show. And we look forward to what else you bring our way. Yeah, please come back and tell us about what you're up to, because I'm fascinated. And when the games come out, we will play it and we'll, um, well, yeah, be brilliant. Yes, please. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, that was amazing, wasn't it? Thanks again to Isago for having time for us and for sharing quiz and a little bit of a snippet of his life with us. Absolutely. I mean, who knew that he was going to be so into fish and chips? And who knew that maybe we'll get you into RPG games? Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to... I, I know what you're thinking because normally I do something and then I get obsessed with it for like a week. Like, do you remember when we went to the ice skating rink and I was like, I want to get a season ticket. I love ice skating. And then like two days later, I was like, ice what? You know, I completely forgotten that we'd even been. Yeah. So that was about two years ago and we haven't been back since. <laughs> exactly. But I think with RPG, I like the whole, I mean, the clues in the acronym, the role playing element of it. But I think it's slightly different from a board game that, you know, we can dress up and do different voices and maybe have a bit of a party. I love it. I think brilliant. I think that the first bit is going to be to introduce you to volume one of Quiz so you can actually see how fabulous, absolutely fabulous is. And all of the other characters as well. And again, I'm partial to Harvey as well. I think I relate... I think everyone can re- can relate uh, to Harvey and his journey into the queer world. Well, if you get the opportunity to experience queers this week as well as me, do let us know. You can tweet us at barebackpod. You can also reach us on Instagram at barebackpodcast. We're on Facebook. Just look for us, bareback. And you can send us an email with your thoughts, your opinions, your questions and more. Our address is barebackpodcast at gmail.com. How lovely. Do get in touch. And once again, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Please keep spreading the good word of Bearback if you like us. And if you don't, just keep quiet. It's probably the best. No, still spread it. I don't care if you spread it as we hate we hate this, but you're still promoting us. Oh, so you're going for the old adage that no that all publicity is good publicity. Yeah, exactly. So if you hate us, tell all your friends and tell them to listen to us so they can share your hate. <laughs> No, hate is such a powerful word. No one should hate anything. You can dislike things a lot, but hate, we have no room for hate on bareback. And I'm sure you love us. (laughs) Okay, guys, it's time for us to go. We'll see you same time. Same place. Next week. Arigato gozaimasu. Sayonara.